Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 134, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. Your host is always joining me, Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. What is up, Richard? Hey guys, what's going on? Not much. Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and all-around content creator. What is up, Seth? What's going on, guys? What is up? Uh, you can find us on Google Play, iTunes, mtggoldfish.com, and now on YouTube. Chaz is always joining you, uh, all-around content creator for Magic Gathering, focusing on the financial aspect. On the docket for today, Commander 2017 has officially dropped. We are getting a bunch of awesome previews. Uh, they focused in on the Cat uh, Commander pre-con, so we got a bunch of cats to talk about. Uh, really awesome. I'm loving... Uh, everything about this uh, that will segue us into uh, a announcement for Magic Arena, <laughs> a Magic Digital Next, I guess IP or umbrella or what have you. We'll kind of have our thoughts on that. A uh, quick announcement on the San Diego Comic Con uh, before we wrap things up with uh, some fish mail. Uh, so yeah, gentlemen, uh, let's talk about some Commander 2017. Uh, they decided to start us off with the cat precon. So let's talk about some of the cards. All right. So they just dropped a bunch of cats. We got three mythic cats uh, from the Arabo deck, which we talked about earlier. Uh, so we'll start with Miri Weatherlight Duelist. One green and a white for 3-2 legendary creature, cat warrior, mythic rare. First strike, when Miri Weatherlight Duelist attacks, each opponent can't block with more than one creature this combat. As long as Miri Weatherlight Duelist is tapped, no more than one creature can attack you each combat. Always welcome to see a Weatherlight character return, even if it's in one of these alternate like kind of storyline reboots. But uh, Miri's back. I-, I really like this card. I think it's pretty cool and aggressive as a, a commander. You know, if you wanted to go that kind of one versus one commander route, but I do think. Uh, Arabo might actually be better even in one versus one, but uh, I like it. It's pretty aggressive, and I told you guys they're gonna make some crazy, awesome, low curved cats. Yeah, I mean it's fine. I oh. think I have a hard time with it because when I play Commander, I think I mentioned this on Twitter. I'm looking for like, does this draw me cards? Does this work with <laughs> Panharmonicon? Or does this keep me alive long enough to draw cards and cast Panharmonicon? That's my criteria, and. This doesn't really do that. It's like, if you like beating down and being aggressive, it seems fairly reasonable. Maybe it could be good as, like, a build around. I think the second ability where it's tapped is actually pretty intriguing. I just worry about getting it tapped as a 3-2. Seems like it'll get overshadowed pretty quickly, but maybe there's... I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's some way you can tap this without having to attack into your opponent's things and use it like a pseudo-ghostly prison, silent arbiter type card. So I think it's cool. It's just not really my play style for Commander. Yeah, I think it's actually a pretty good card. Uh, not as your commander. It's I don't know what it would do as your commander, but if your creature has menace, it's basically unblockable. So if you put this in... I don't know, an Abzin deck where I guess black has all the menace cards or you have an artifact that gives you menace, uh, unblockable. And there are plenty of ways to tap Miri, uh, even without attacking, uh, convoke. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are a billion artifacts that allow you to tap a creature to do something or, you know, any of those effects. So I think, Seth, you might actually like this card. Like It, <laughs> it gives you a way to pillow fort uh, if you want. And the most important thing is for an aggressive deck, 
when you tap out to kill someone, you're pretty vulnerable as everyone else can just kill you. So Miri mitigates that. If you alpha strike someone, uh, other people can't really hit you back as long as Miri's still alive. So I, I actually really like it. And it's Miri, right? You know, throwback to Dominaria on the weatherlight. The ship is still going. So uh, awesome awesome flavor as well so i like miri just not as commander i don't know what you do i don't know how you would build around this this cat yeah i i think in many instances arabo the i guess that's how you say it the commander that the precon ships with would probably be better in most situations and aggressive cats just like miri i mean the ability with arabo can like force you to be even super aggressive and not have to worry about getting cracked back i, I kind of like that um, the kind of a multitude of different, I mean, Miri just kind of does everything. A multitude of different strategies. You can be aggressive or turn the corner and just pillow fort. Um, I kind of like that in an aggressive creature. I, I think that's a lot different than a, just a generic, um, aggressive cat. Like even Bramaz has a lot of things to do, but Miri kind of is, is different in a, in a way. Yeah. And if you forgot Arabo, Arabo has the ability to, uh, give your cat plus three plus three, or also plus X plus X, where X is its power. So Miri comes in as like a six power first striker, yep. so she's gonna get in there. Uh, next legendary cat, Stoneforge cat, I guess. Nazon Revered Blade, Revered Bladesmith, four green and a white, five four, legendary creature, cat artificer, mythic rare. Uh, when Nazan enters the battlefield, search your library for an equipment card and reveal it. If you reveal a card named Hammer of Nazan this way, put it on the battlefield. Otherwise, put that card in your hand, then shuffle your library. Whenever an equipped creature you control attacks, you may tap target creature defending player controls. And for completeness, his Hammer is a 4-mana legendary artifact equipment. Uh, when the hammer or another equipment enters a battlefield, uh, you may attach that equipment to target creature you control. Equipped creature gets plus two plus zero and has indestructible. Yeah, this thing is nuts. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of value for six. I love the fact that, I mean, Hammer of Nizan immediately gets value too. So it's, you're basically paying six for a five four, which is pretty good. You get a second ability in... The creature that's equipped gets to tap down another creature, forcing some bad blocks, and the hammer immediately gives something plus two, plus so, and indestructible. I mean, that's a lot of value for this. I mean, I, that's, that's even, like, transcends just cats. I think it might be the best, if you want to build a heavy equipment deck, I think it might be the best commander. I was doing some searches yeah. for commanders that care about equipments, and we have Sram, but it's mono-white. We have Kemba, which is pretty good with a lot of equipments, also mono-white. We have Raksha, the Golden Cub, which is also mono-white, so getting a second color, and the ability is really good. The first thing I thought of when I saw this card was Tomer and his endless quest to assemble Cauldra, <laughs> and this is like the perfect commander if you want to assemble Cauldra. So if you want to take the Cauldra challenge, uh, just keep casting this and letting it die and pulling out Cauldra pieces one after another. Yeah, I like I like the hammer, actually. The ability to cheat equip costs on your equipment is probably something they didn't design old cards for, so I'm sure there are broken combos uh, just with the hammer itself. So I like this, and if you can blink Nazan. The, the only downside is he's hard to cast. Like, if he dies once, 
you know, good luck getting to 8 mana, 10 mana, 12 <laughs> mana. But if you blink him, you can just keep bringing up artifacts. And, of course, if you get the hammer and equip it, he's indestructible, so he stays around. So, uh, pretty solid cat. Just a little expensive. Yeah, that's what Command Beacon's for, right? Like, once it gets too crazy, you just... Just put it in your hand and you're all you're all set. But yeah, I mean, Seth, you they were they literally all are mono white. Anything that has to do with equipment. But I think like this could pretty much just go into any generic green white deck. I don't even think you have to build around equipment or anything. It's like a two card self contained combo. I mean, it just you literally just grab the hammer with Nizan and you just put it on a creature. I don't. Uh, I'd, rather, I think I'd rather take Sword of War and Peace and Stoneforge Mythic, uh, Mystic if it's just a random deck. But in a cat artifact deck, I think he's really strong. I think you can play it in just a normal deck if you have a small equipment package. Like, if you have maybe, like, right. four or five equipment to tutor up, then I think it's fine. I don't think that you'd actually just want to play it just to get Hammer. I think you need more equipment support than that but i don't think you have to be cats like i think if you just want to build an equipment deck and tutor up swords and batter skulls and skull clamps and all that stuff it's a pretty good option yeah i really wish he was like a two mana two one so i can just fetch a skull clamp and clamp him <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, yeah that's pretty crazy uh okay last legendary cat we got today mono white balin wandering knight two white white legendary creature cat knight 3-3. Three, three. First strike, Balin has double strike as long as two or more equipment are attached to it. Uh, pay one in a white, attach all equipment you control to Balin. Yeah, I think this is my least favorite of the legends in the cat deck. Like, it's fine, but it's very much just a aggro Voltron commander. Like, I don't really see what else you can really do with it other than that. It reminds me of Volshuk... Battlemaster, I think it is. It's this five mana red creature that when it enters, you get to equip all equipments to it. It kind of has a similar ability. So I think if you want to build like Voltron equipment, it's probably good. But apart from that, I don't really see much appeal for this card. Yeah, I'd have to say this is mo- the, the least exciting. Uh, the, the good thing is, um, is it's four mana. So I mean, I actually, there's not, it kind of fills the four mana slot just because. Because it's always like, I find really good two drops, really good three drops. You want to play your Arabo on five. And then it's always that four drop that's like, there's like barely anything. So I guess like this can just fill into that. But I'm not too excited about yeah, it. Yeah, I think the ability, the the whole thing of this card is to instant speed attach equipment. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I don't know, like cheat equipment costs. But if you have a pure steel paladin or something, you can do the same thing. So not too appealing, not... Nothing special, you know, double strike is like whatever. So, eh, just a Voltroni card, like Seth said. <laughs> Don't like it. Love the, I love the character in the art, though. It looks really awesome. This knight is lacking, like, quite a bit of armor. <laughs> <laughs> They're cats. They're, like, massive. <laughs> All right, let's go on to some regular cats. Stalking Leonin, two and a white, three, three, cat archer, coming in at rare. When Stalking Leonin enters the battlefield, secretly choose an opponent, reveal the player you chose, exile target creature that's attacking you if it's controlled by the chosen player, activate this ability only once. We're conspiracy now. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, like, I really I love like these it. kind of cards because I, I just want to be part of the shenanigans of like, they secretly choose a, an opponent when it suits them. <laughs> 
<laughs> instead of actually writing it down. I'm, but I'm pretty I'm sure, sure you're going to need to write it down yeah. on paper. I'm, I'm sure most people will be good about it, or play groups will be good about it, but I just want to be part of the shenanigans of like people that are a little more <laughs> laid back, and it's just, I secretly chose you <laughs> right now. But this, this card's actually really sweet and really strong in a one-versus-one scenario when there's only two players. That's really amazing. Yeah, I like it a lot in 1v1. I think this is one of the cards we've seen so far that might have an outside shot at being played in Legacy. I think I can see an argument for playing this. You're obviously naming your opponent, so it's an on-board trick. But if you have Ether Vials and Flicker Wisps in like a Death and Taxes type deck, I could see you getting a lot of value from this. And I was kind of surprised that... You don't have to sacrifice it or anything. It's the, the way that ability is worded is really weird. You just do it, but you can only do it one time. Like, that's a very strange formatting that makes it a lot more powerful than other similar cards. Yeah, it's a, he's, a good, he's a good archer. Doesn't have to sacrifice yeah. himself <laughs> or anything. Nope. Can just take someone down. I don't know about death and taxes. It's, it's like a condemn or something, right? Like, usually you want to be on the offensive, but... Uh, you know, you can flash it in, kill a goif, flicker wisp later to do it again. But the problem with death and taxes is its three drop slot is just so full. Yeah, uh, and it's a bit inconsistent. Like, would you rather just not have like a fiend hunter or something for more consistency? So I don't know. Uh, but it does have a shot. Uh, if this was modern playable, I think it'd be very exciting. But uh, it's not. Just legacy and vintage and uh, commander. And. Yeah. I mean, in Commander, though, the Blink archetype is super popular. So if you're playing Brago or any of the Blink-centric tribes, this gets way, way better if you can keep resetting it and keep selecting new players when the situation suits, you know? So I I think it'll see play in certain archetypes in Commander at the very least. Yeah, right? this definitely transcends cats, and it's not... I mean, it could... Legacy is an option, but this is definitely uh, slotting into more than just cats. Um, I like Hawkeye Cat. Yeah, and you can also clone it at instant speed as well oh, yeah, to, to too. do it. You don't just yep. need to blink, so you got some toys. That is true. Uh, next card, we have Alms Collector. Three and a white, three, four, Cat Cleric. It's a rare. Flash, if an opponent would draw two or more cards, instead you and that player each draw a card. You know, this card ri- literally like instantly reminded me. You ever see the animated version of Robin Hood with the with the cat and all the jewels and... <laughs> the <Yep>. rooster. <laughs> and I, I just thought of that immediately, but this card is amazing. Uh, this is another card that I think, uh, like Stalking Leon, and has a, a chance. I mean, it's, it's great outside of cats and has a shot at legacy, I think. I mean, it's the White Notion Thief, basically. Like, right. there's some slight differences, but mana cost is the same. You get a better body. The ability is not quite as devastating, because your opponent still gets to draw one card, so you don't just completely lock them out, but it's very powerful, and the fact that it's a 3-4 rather than a 3-1, and... uh yeah, and uh, it still has all the other upsides of Notion Thief with Flash and whatnot. I think makes it... I can see the argument, at least, that you would play this over Notion Thief in, in some decks. Yeah, it, much easier to split. Yeah, it's it's pretty much game over. if you. It's like Notion Thief. If they brainstorm and you do this, it's pretty much over. <laughs> because they draw one, put two back on top, and that's the game. Uh, the problem is it costs four mana, which is like a billion in Legacy. And, you know, Notion Thief is not play that much so you know death and taxes gets a new option 
So I think there's a chance, but I don't expect it to warp the metagame or anything like that. Because you, you had Notion Thief this entire time, and people are already wary when you leave four mana up and they want to brainstorm. They're already, <laughs> they've already <laughs> been bitten by Notion Thief. They know, right? But in Commander, I think this card is not too good uh, because you only get to draw one card. So you basically counter a big card draw spell from someone and you draw one card and then no one will ever play into your Alms Collector ever again. <laughs> so it's it's not the white card draw I'm looking for. Uh, you know, if you have a cat deck, I guess, the cat synergies might make it playable, but in a generic white deck, I'm not, I'm not too excited for this card. Maybe in, like, a stacks-style deck where you're just trying to tax your opponent in any way possible, this could be just, like, another piece to annoy your opponent. Wait, I take everything back. You play this with Howling Mind. <laughs> it's so good, right? <laughs> Uh, well, they have to draw two cards at once, though, I believe. Well, how, how I was Howling looking at Mind that, too. Worded? You draw, I think you draw a card for Howling Mind. It's its own trigger, oh, and uh, then you draw. Mind. But there are a couple cards. I wheel. looked into this. Like, I basically, wheel effects would, would do it, right? There's there's wheels. There's also, like, Font of Mythos is, like, a Howling Mind that makes people draw two instead of one. Otherworld Atlas does the same thing. So there are Howling Minds. You could build this, like, mono-white weird Howling Mind deck that took advantage of it. Are you telling me Howling Mind Tribal is a is viable It's set? a thing. We can do it. We can do it. <laughs> Thanks, Tom's Collector. <laughs> it, an intriguing card. Uh, Alright. Moving on to Hungry Lynx. One in a green. Two, two. It's a cat. It's a rare. Cats you control have protection from rats. At the beginning of your end step, target opponent creates a 1-1 one, one black rat creature token with death touch. Whenever a rat dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on each cat you control. Two, two. Worst cat, best flavor. <laughs> what? This cat is what? so good. <laughs> Richard, where does this rank on, where does this rank on the flavor like card? Is this like top five? This, this has this, to be. This is like there, one right? of the best cards they've ever made. I think. <laughs> like, like you have protection from rats. It's like politically, you give other people rats and then. When they inevitably die, you pump your entire team. Like this thing is crazy. You don't even need a it, it you is, don't even need a cat is, deck, right? Just like yeah, it's like a Lurgoyf type thing that just grows right every it's turn. It's really awesome. I don't know why you're hating on this card, Seth. I mean, you could go even further. You can do like you can like if you just didn't want to stay cat themed, you can splash into other colors. You can go cards like unnatural selection where you can turn anything into a rat. Or you can just play black and just name, uh, what was it, Engineered Plague on rats, and they pay, you're basically just pumping your team every turn. I mean, there's so much other stuff you can do that's awesome outside of just cats. And, and you do 2v2 team commander where your teammate plays yes. rats. <laughs> and you can give them a rat every turn, and you make this thing indestructible and do a, a board wipe, and boom. <laughs> it's like oh, gigantic. It's, a, it's, it's opponent, though. Ah. Uh. I I don't think you can do that. Can you? Uh, well, I mean, if you're playing two v two commander, <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> there's not a real format, so your opponent is technically your teammate still. <laughs> yes, I I think uh, the right. problem is they're death touch rats, and that's actually like that kills a lot of your stuff. Like if they're, you're they all cat, you have protection well, from rats. All they got to do is shock your hungry links, and they have a bunch of death touch creatures, and you. That's like I see it being pretty risky. But they're like, one I one. think it's Who really cares? favorable. But, <laughs> yeah, but they're death, one one. But death touch. 
I don't know. I don't like giving uh, your opponent free death touch creatures every turn, but I love the flavor of the card. I really like the card. Yeah. I'm just not convinced it's good. Uh, it reminds me of uh, uh, who's who's that red uh, legendary, or is it legendary that gives people goblin tokens that must attack every turn? Oh, oh um, oh my god! But they can't yeah. attack you. It reminds yes. me of that. Oh, what? It, it, it oh, I can picture I can't the art, remember. but I can't think of the <laughs> yeah, name. I, Damn, I can't remember. Fail. I know exactly the card too. That's rough. Why do you have to do this to me? Because <laughs> I can't remember the card either. So <laughs> Why do we have to remember such obscure cards on this cast? <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Traverse the Outlands. Four and a green. It's a sorcery. It's not a cat card. Finally, search your library for up to X basic lands, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Put those cards on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Eh. I mean, it's definitely a good card. I just don't know where it ranks in a long list of get a bunch of land cards. And maybe they forgot they just printed Hour of Promise, so I don't know. I think it's really good, actually. I think it's pretty easy. If you're already playing green, you have so many big creatures. You have, like, uh, Ronas, you have Plucranos. There's a lot of big four-mana creatures, so it should be pretty easy to ramp at least X4 or maybe even X5. And if you can get four lands, if you can even get three lands, it's a pretty good deal, even if they're all basics. Like, going from five mana to nine or ten the next turn, I think makes it pretty good if you're playing a big creature green deck. Yeah, isn't this, like, the most broken card ever? <laughs> like, if you play any creature, like, even if you have a three-power creature, that's a five-mana, you know, three-land card, and you can realistically go up to five-mana, five-lands, right? With Pelucranos, Ronus, etc. So I think this is actually, if you're playing creatures in green, absurdly broken, and we're not even talking about the late-game scenario where you have, like, a ten-power creature and you cast this <laughs> thing, right? So I think this is actually like crazy broken. Like I don't see I don't see why you would not play, you know, why would you not play this if you're playing creatures? Like and explosive is vegetation is auto include and I'd pay one more mana for the upside of getting like a billion lands. Yeah, it does have a drawback. I mean, to have a creature of uh, you know, proportionate size, but I don't know, it feels like there's like a million of these type of cards. And they're yeah, always I, I put it in your green decks, right? <laughs> like they <laughs> always slot in, right? Yeah, this probably will overtake one of the one of the other million cards, but I, I do think it is pretty solid. Like, I actually think it's more it, it's better in decks where you have like a chromat or something where you need it's a five mana five five and you need like all types of basic win. Yeah, I mean that's a good point as well. Coalition victory. I think that's yeah. banned, but that would be sweet. Um <laughs> It was unbanned on Moto for a minute, thanks to all their weirdness, but nice. I mean, um all you gotta do is tireless tracker into Traverse the Outlands, and that's good uh, enough yes, for me. That right? is really sweet. I think I would just play this over Hour of Promise in a lot of decks. Like, I think if you're tutoring up a, a two-land combo, then obviously Hour of Promise is better because you can get non-basics. But if you just want to ramp, I think this is, is more powerful than Hour of Promise or Explosive Vegetation. Yeah, okay, I, I think I this is the most the powerful argument, spoiler yeah. we've seen today. I think this thing will be included in, like, most green decks. And someone is going to have, like, a jolly good time... With, like, I, a 20-power creature and go nuts with the mono-green yeah, deck, right? I just think in the, in, in a lot of different types, like, 
our promise sets up engines where this is just a bunch of lands. So well, that's uh, that's I think our of... promise is like a combo card. Right. This is like yeah. super ramp. Yeah. So and think I, of I all the landfall triggers. Landfall oh, triggers. Yeah. Avengers Endicar. That seems uh, seems Rampaging good. Valakit. Oh, Val- <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's all kinds of shenanigans. Uh, all right. Any any more spoilers you want to talk about? I guess there's one more. I'm I'm actually really excited about this card. It was a German <laughs> card, uh, Bloodforged Battleaxe is what we're calling it. One mana. It's an equipment. Uh, equipped creature gets plus two plus zero, and whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, create a token that's a copy of Bloodforged Battleaxe equipped to. Yeah, this <laughs> this is awesome. Hey guys, let's just make Bone Splitter like insane and make it rare. And that's what they did. Yeah. yeah, it's just a bone splitter that keeps making more bone splitters. Yeah, you, it's everyone so gets sweet. a bone splitter. It's really good, right? You know what's that? I really like it. Oh, what's that green card that Tom always plays that like duplicates duplicates itself? It's, oh yeah, it's like a oh. it's a like green creature. Mask? It's like two three or something like benign. And every time you hit with it, you make spawn a copy. Wraith? Yes. Yeah, I think it's spawn right. That thing gets spawn out of control wraith? so fast. And <laughs> same with the Bloodforged Battle Axe. If you have something that cheats, uh, equip costs like say a hammer of Nazan, this thing is gonna go to town, and you get end up with like ten of these, and you can just cast your your. Uh, tyrant of whatever the red thing and just win with like 20 artifacts so I, I really like this card I think it's actually secretly really good even though you're just like ah oh, it's just plus two power yeah and I mean plus you have like Kemba Ka Regent which wants a ton of equipments equipped to it to do crazy things armament master wants to be equipped so there's some commanders that really like more and more equipments being put on them and it seems like a really natural fit for those decks at least pure steel paladin but, you can just equip like 20 of them for free <laughs> like oh you can just do Balan, so much work with come this on. this is it, Balan. it's like awesome but he doesn't I, have um, he doesn't have trample <laughs> i think the dream is you you First attack strike. a bunch you make all of these bloodforge battle axes and you play march of the machines and just attack with a bunch of one one bloodforge battle axes and win <laughs> That's that's what I want to do with this card. Oh, what, what's, sure. what's the? Is it mechanized production? What, what's the uh, win oh, now? Yes, mechanized oh, production. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Like, there's so many things you can do when you have like 20 um, Bloodforged battle axes on the battlefield. Yes, <laughs> invisible stalker. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> this, this isn't no butcher's cleaver, or whatever. <laughs> uh, just start. What, what's the the flip side? The ooze of uh, what's that card from Shadows that flips into like that blob? Just start, just start throwing everything on just, like, invisible stalker-type creatures. I, I just love cards that make copies of themselves. Yes. Especially this. It's good old Bone Splitter. I, I, that is something I can get behind. All right. Uh, so that's all the spoilers to talk about today. Today was Cat Day. Uh, we're going to have more tribes coming up. So the rest of the tribes, dragons, vampires, and wizards? Wizards. Yes. Yeah. Wizards. So I assume every day we'll just get a ton of cards from one deck. Yep. That's an interesting way of doing spoilers. I like it. I like it, because you see the synergies between the cards. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they'll just give us a whole list at the end of the day. That would be pretty cool <laughs> if throughout the day they gave us all the cat like cards spoiled, and then they were just like, oh, here's the list. 
Yeah, well, we know Seth's Tiger's in there, so that's, that's already a huge win. Uh, why couldn't they have a good card named after me? <laughs> well, this uh, is classic. <laughs> this is actually quite playable for a card named after you. Maybe the like, uh, what's maybe like the cauldron, like that that whole that little cycle. They'll do something with like olives or something where you like yeah. fling olives, at Bu- bubbling, bubbling, no, <laughs> bubbling olive. Yeah, I swear to God, if there's like an, an olive equipment. <laughs> <laughs> They Maybe you made it into unstable. Who knows? <laughs> they fling olives at you. That does not sound super threatening. <laughs> Can't be any worse than like acorns. All right, let's move on to Magic the Gathering Arena. So it was an announcement where they said, hey, the digital game we're working on is called Magic the Gathering Arena. And, and then that's, that's it. it. <laughs> they gave us a logo and that's it. We have no idea what it is. What do you think it is? Is it Hearthstone? Why did they use Arena? That's like in the name of like every product ever, including Hearthstone, including existing Magic products. What's up? With yeah, this? you actually brought up the fact that it's like insanely. It was insanely hard to search for it because it was so generic. Yeah, I tried to Google Magic the Gathering Arena <laughs> to get the image, and uh, did not work. Google was not happy. There's too many products <laughs> called Arena. Yeah, <sighs> Arena has been associated with not even just Hearthstone, but like the Warcraft IP for a long time. I don't know why they decided to do that. Wasn't the original uh, book called Arena? What was the original Magic book called? Oh, um, you might be right. But I don't know. You're right. By now, everyone has something Arena. I, I, I think they could have yeah. come up with a much more unique name given the uniqueness of Magic. They, they might as well have called it Digital like, Game, right? It's the yeah. same effect at that point, right? <laughs> Yeah, magic like online game. Wait, yeah, we I, have I, that. I, <laughs> That's their flagship well, digital digital game already. They, yeah, they were, well. So, do you guys think this we is actually a magic game? Like, say, you know, Magic Online or uh, Duels of the Planeswalker, or do you think this is Plants vs Zombies or some MOBA? Maybe the MMO. I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you think this actually is? This is like another puzzle quest, I think. So, <laughs> like actually, puzzle quest, yes. a puzzle game? No, I, I don't know. Like something like a puzzle quest. This is gonna be like something silly, like Angry Birds, something. I don't know. <sighs> I, I don't know. I'm torn. <laughs> I could see either it of those. It could be anything. It's not Magic Online or no. a threat to Magic Online or anything like Magic Online. I think. Best case, it's a somewhat improved duels. Worst case, it's Puzzle Quest 2.0 and no one really cares. I just wish they would tell us. They've been dragging this on for a long time now. Yeah. First we heard like August 3rd, and now I think it's September 7th at HasCon. They're supposed to be actually demoing this new game. So we're getting there, but I, I'm just I'm done with the process and ready to just know what it is at this point. <laughs> I agree. It's probably Hearthstone. That's my guess. You think so? It, yeah, I think it's probably a very... I think if very, it was yeah. a non-Magic game, it would be broadcasted on other channels. Like, you would read on, you would read about it on, like, IGN or something weird like that. So that's my guess, if it's, you know, meant to appeal to non-Magic players. So my guess is it's a Magic product. That's a good so, point. So what will Magic Hearthstone be? You think it'll just literally, like, duels, just standard legal cards or, or something? Or, I don't know. Whatever the next iteration of duels <laughs> looks like. Okay. Okay. So basically, like, duels, but improved to some extent. 
like some casual free to play game where you can pay money to buy cards. Yep. I, I think that... and it's only only standard. Yeah. Wait, I I feel like it's gonna be limited. It has to be. It's definitely gonna be limited to either just standard or whatever. You know, something like Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever. Like you know, like just the the new generation of mobile yep. phone card games. So they're starting to appropriate everything into the game. I mean, they should have just for stalking Leon, and they should have just used trap cards. So why, why don't we just, <laughs> just start using everything from every game? Every card game uses e- like every other card game's things by now. So let's just Magic Arena. Just make it like Hearthstone Arena. You get a key. You get a chest. <laughs> whatever. So what Welcome do you think the about heart. the? <laughs> what do you think about the future of digital magic? Then, like, do you picture this being something that's competing with magic online or will it just kind of languish in the same space as duels where it's for new players and most serious players don't really play it like do you have any predictions as far as that goes i think the like are they going to try to funnel players into this magic hearthstone or are they happy letting magic online and whatever this is just exist side by side like duels and magic online yeah, trying to get into Wizard's head, I, I I do think that's what they will go for, is that these two, you know, platforms will exist side by side, and one will try to funnel new players into the more advanced Magic Online. Yeah, that's like literally what their graphic said, right? That they'll have yeah. some new player product, and then as you get more experience and you graduate into Moto. So I, I think Moto will still be the pinnacle of competitive play or whatever. And there's always going to be some product for new players. And my guess is that's what Arena is. But who knows? Maybe we get a fighting game next month. I don't, I don't know, right? They're just so <laughs> obscure and, like, no one cares. It's like, this tells us nothing. Show me a screenshot or something, right? Yeah. Like, it's such a non-announcement. I, I, do, I do think that at the end of the day, they will revamp Magic Online if anything, to help have some consistency between the two platforms. Because I don't know how you build something like Hearthstone where it's very user-friendly and trying to get players into the game and kind of help them along. And then you go from that to MTGO and you're like F2 skipping your your combat phase. So <laughs> I, I do think there's going to have some continuity and they're going to have to change a little bit. So both kind of platforms... You know, I... I, I I just can't see them not doing that. All right, but uh, yeah, we we don't really know much more than that. So, uh, also really quickly before we go into the fish mail, so congrats to anyone who was up at like five thirty in the morning uh, because there was a glitch in the Hasbro toy shop system. I was on customer service. Uh, your glitched like pre-orders that they that they happened to release some of them into the wild for the San Diego Comic-Con 2017. Planeswalker packs should be honored, uh, but the actual date is uh, the 14th at around... Normally each year they're around like 10.30 Eastern Standard Time around then, Seth? I yeah, I thought that's like somewhere same. around 10-ish, yeah. Yeah, so little hiccup there, but that is the actual date for the pre-orders. Yeah. Or the, the actual, not pre-orders, but the, the orders for the exclusive. And I think I'm happy that Wizards honored the sales. Like, it wasn't the yeah. people's fault. So I am I think they did the right thing in this situation. Like, obviously it would have been better if 
It didn't accidentally go live in the middle of the night three weeks early, but I think they handled the situation pretty well. So congrats yeah. or props to them on that. All right. Should we move on to Fishmail? Fish yep. All fish right. Fishmail time. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. From Plain Brad, Thing in the Ice or Gifted Etherborn out of the sideboard for control decks versus uh, Ramunap Red or Zombies. Yeah, they're already doing that. We saw that at uh, GP Minnesota uh, all over the weekend. Uh, that's And there was actually a black-red mid-ranger list that I thought would actually be pretty strong, uh, a strong choice against all the Ramunap Red, red decks. And a lot of decks are now playing that gifted Aetherborn. It's a very strong card against the deck. I like Gifted Aetherborn. Not a huge fan of Thing in the Ice. What I found with Thing in the Ice in those matchups is you play it on turn two, and then you really want to flip it, but you're always afraid to block with it So you because you know your opponent's just going to Magma Spray it or something if you block. So it ends up not being a very good blocker if you want to flip it. So I think I'd rather just play Gifted Aetherborn as my control hoser over Thing in the Ice. Or my, my aggro hoser, rather, over Thing in the Ice. All right, next question. Asim Burrocrat. Richard, please tell us your background. I think you said climbing and hiking. Uh, I don't know. What do you want to know? Uh, I like <laughs> rock climbing. I like hiking. Uh, I like Final Fantasy, as was divulged earlier. Uh, League of Legends, I follow a lot, even though I really suck at it and don't play anymore. I just watch it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like your typical nerd. I like Dungeons and Dragons type things, <laughs> and uh, I, I like I like magic. So there you go. That's about me. Uh, next question: As Crackadon, problem with magic viewership is that it is boring to watch. Long breaks between games and endless shuffling. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean that could. Yes. I don't, I don't buy that. I think that is a problem. I think, like, I don't think Magic will ever get the views of some of the other games because not everyone wants to sit through a Magic game. Like, it is a smaller audience than a more exciting game where even if you don't really know what's happening, you can just tune in and it's exciting and things are happening and it's entertaining. But I think that what we were talking about last week, though, is the viewership at the Pro Tour was poor compared to past magic events so i think if you're comparing magic to itself i think that's a pretty fair comparison yeah and inherently all card games are pretty boring what if you compare them to the higher like tier esports games like league of legends where all there's just tons of stuff going on on the screen at once so um i, I don't really think that's a huge issue but it is it is an issue just inherently in card games yeah and you need to know what's going on to watch so you actually need to know the rules of magic and not only that you need to know the current cards like i could stop watching football for three years and then watch it again and like you know know what's going on whereas magic i would not know what any of the cards or mechanics do anymore and it's like very hard to watch so that's also a problem uh jc thacker 21 what if hasbro sponsored a convention center in the east rather than washington could watsi afford a gaming arena they could it's just if they would. I, I really, seriously though, Richard, I, I thought that was a great um, suggestion, and it would. I, I think it would alleviate a lot of the issues of having all these pro tours all over the place, of having a more central place for all this stuff to happen, and then have everyone go to that central place rather than going all around and 
it's splitting it up into the, a regional thing. And, I mean, I think the reason to do it in the West is that's where Wizards is headquartered, and the idea with building a gaming arena would be try to minimize the costs of flying their people and their stuff all around the country. So I think doing it near their headquarters would make the most sense, although theoretically they could probably do it wherever they felt like. I think they would have the money to do it wherever, but it would probably make the most sense to do it somewhere near Seattle. Yeah, I can see the East working as well since the majority of the U.S. population is there, and they could just move you know, their coverage team to the East Coast. Uh, so either way, I think it works. Uh, east, West, wh- wherever you want. Just like one place, and everyone just move there and have a magic party like 24-7. And I guess that's basically like SEG tour, right? Everyone moves to like Roanoke or whatever, and they live there, and then they just grind the SEG tour like week in and week out. So food for thought. Also, I think... I think uh, Hasbro is actually located in the East Coast because that's why we were wondering yeah. why Hascon was in Providence, yep. and it's because Hasbro's there. So I guess there is a natural fit on the East Coast as well. Yep. Uh, next question, RN Tazzy, have you thought about giving Scoops a buddy? Uh, I don't know why he likes he likes <laughs> to play by himself because he's goldfishing. I don't know. <laughs> we could give Scoops a buddy, maybe a, a two-headed giant buddy. <laughs> Uh, Doctor Strange PhD, accidental F two punt in the Pro Tour. Shouldn't Magic have better explanations of Pro Rel rules uh, than it happens on Moto? I don't understand the question. I don't either. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't especially. I think it's either. not an official explanation. I think he just missed his combat step, and we're just calling it accidental F two because oh, okay, that's how it happens on Moto by accident most commonly. But I think, you know, there actually are actual rules, right? Once you go to combat, you can't just back out of it and do pre-combat things. Yeah. I think that rule's actually pretty simple. That's not not one of the more complicated rules we've seen controversy. Yeah, there wasn't a judge call or there was nothing, right? They're just like, oh, oh, crap. Yeah. And then (laughs) carried on, right? Uh, Next question. OG Magikarp is God. Didn't hear you talk about the last two weeks. What are your opinions on Unstable after Marl's presentation? about the same as it was before like i think it'll be fun i'm looking forward to the jokes kind of the same place it was before the only thing i will say is i feel like based on the presentation and the sneak peek we got of some of the stuff it feels like maybe they're gonna tone down a little bit from the last unset which had some stuff that was probably a little bit over the top with all the fart and butt jokes and sexual <laughs> stuff. So hopefully they they do unset in a, with a modern sensibility that's kind of, I don't know, not quite as whatever that was back then. So I'm more hopeful based on just the overall flavor of what we saw from Arrow's presentation that they'll cut out some of the worst stuff from the last unset. Yeah, that's interesting because humor in, what was it, the 90s or early 2000s yeah. or whatever, like that's what it was, right? So I'm really actually was. very curious to see what the jokes are uh, for the modern age because I don't really know what that would look like. Like what would they be, like cat memes? Like I'm of, very confused. A lot of memes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of memes, <laughs> yeah. Also from OG Magikarp is God, what is your opinion on the Reddit accusations against SCG raising prices before the Pro Tour change announcement? So I guess I this is in reference to the the dual lands. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's no way of really knowing because what what do you want them to say? Yeah, we did it. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So I think it's just really bad timing. 
mean, I, you can provide all of this information and, and well, look, we were kind of doing this, this, and this. You can present it any way you want. It was just bad timing, and I don't think there's – it's either you believe them or you don't at this point. I think I think they said that they didn't even get knowledge of the announcement, so I don't know how they would do this. And I mean, there aren't any regulations. Like, I mean, they could actually—it's scummy, no, but yeah. it's not like illegal or anything. This is not like the SEC or something, right? But I don't know. Like, there's no way to tell unless you're actually in the back room with everyone. So it is what it is. And. I mean, if you wanted legacy dual lands, you should have gotten them a long time ago. So, so I, I don't know, right? So that's just how it is. I tend to believe them just because if you did want to jack up the price because you had knowledge of this announcement, the day before and doubling the price, like, that's just, like, the most obvious way. Like, you would have to expect that people would notice that. Like, if you had knowledge ahead of time, why wouldn't you, like, slowly raise the price over the course of the month before? And it wouldn't be, like, this this big deal. So if they are trying to do something sketchy, they're doing it in, it seems like the least efficient way (laughs) possible. So I tend to believe their explanation because of that. Next question from Streakus. Shouldn't there be different promos for modern FNM? The sharks are still going to wreck newbies in modern regardless. We we can get some double-sided modern tokens. (laughs) 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 Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, unfortunately. I think there's a lot of stores don't have multiple events like they only have one event yeah so like well if they want to play if they want to play standard but only have modern cards like what are you going to do right so yeah and, and look at from wizards wait just look at the, look at their track record they got rid of the player reward program <laughs> they changed the fnm promos there's no way they're going to have oh okay well standard players get this and modern players get this like there's i just unfortunately i don't think it's going to happen all right, from LS Seth, your description of Pokemon sleeves was incorrect. Third party sleeves are allowed if they have no art. Oh, okay. Isn't that what so we said? Just I no, thought we, I, we initially said that they had to be made by oh, Pokemon. Okay, okay. I think I just said that wrong, but like just plain okay. plain sleeves, no no art. Or official no art. official ma- uh, official Pokemon sleeves with art. But but yeah, so Lord Seth has the answers. His name is actually Lord Seth Seth, so I don't, I don't know, you, gotta, you gotta fix your Twitter handle. Uh, John's Palmer, what do you think about modern 8-whack with Sunscorched Desert and Ramunap Ruins? Can we bring uh, the deserts into a modern package? I I actually like that. I mean, it's a lot for Ramunap Ruins in, in modern, but I think once you have a kind of a firm grip on the game with 8-rack, like, that's a pretty good way to finish people off. I think in the Goblin deck in specific, I think it's just too slow. Like, if if you draw five lands, which you need to sack Robinop Ruins and start doing, uh, dealing damage, you probably just already lost. Like, the idea is to really go light on lands in that deck. So while I think there could be a build that could take advantage of it, I don't think you want to go Deserts in 8-Whack or Goblins in specific. Oh, I thought it was 8-Rack. Never yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe eight rack. You could do some some land sacking. Maybe just maybe just sunscorched desert. No. Sun sunscorched desert desert maybe. Except you need double red for goblin bushwhacker, which would be a little awkward. But I could see an argument for sunscorched desert just to ping the opponent. From my experience with the deck, getting to two mana in itself is a struggle. So getting to five <laughs> is pretty hard, and you really need double red for bushwhacker for for also playing two cards on one turn. 
right? Like, you know, some haste goblin and goblin grenade or whatever. So colorless lands, I think, are a no-go. Uh, Jeffberry17, was there any noticeable effect on paper and digital prices from the short Kaladesh slash Ether Revolt redemption window? Um, if there's any impacts in paper, it probably won't be felt until next winter would be the most likely time after yep. rotation. So we're kind of waiting and seeing on that. On Moto, there wasn't a big crash like I thought could happen, but there's still some confusing variables with all the bannings and just where standard was. So even with that, I kind of want to take a wait and see attitude when we have this new window, shorter window with a more normal standard happening. Cause it's hard to tell if prices didn't drop because they were already low because people were uh, turned off by the format because of all these bannings or if maybe the redemption thing just isn't going to have that big of an impact. I think maybe we can throw in, maybe they're not directly related, but something like angel of invention um, and more, the more broad senses. I think if something is going to be affected by a shorter redemption, it's it's mainly going to be mythics. Uh, so we saw something like Angel of Invention. Now all of a sudden, everybody wanted Angel of Invention for a new deck. You can kind of see how quickly that price increased. Yeah, I definitely agree that mythics would be the main thing. It's just so hard to know, like. Right. How do you how do you know like how high it would have spiked in a normal redemption window? Like how do you parse through that and try to figure it out? And I don't know how to do it. Maybe someone way smarter than me can, but All right, Bruno Alzuguayer, what is the most confusing card in your opinion? <laughs> um like any of the old cards. I, I still like for the longest time I did not even know what Chains of Mephistopheles did. Yeah, I think Chains wins. Like I still don't know what it does. All I know is if you see it, like don't brainstorm. <laughs> like that's all I know. But good thing is it's so expensive that you rarely ever see it. Like you know paper. what's really funny too is a lot of even in like Eternal Masters, a lot of these older cards when they got if they weren't on the reserve list and got a reprint, like they would take like up a whole text box and then be like one <laughs> sentence. Animate Dead is also a yes. card that is like insanely verbose for something that does something very simple. Yeah. I think Humility is probably on the list too Ooh. because it seems simple when you read it. You're like, oh, okay, everything's one ones, has no abilities, but there's so many weird complexities that actually come up with layers and just stuff that a typical Magic player does not really even think about most of the time. All right. Next question from the Demco. I believe there will be a fifth tribal deck hidden among the C-17 decks. Maybe humans? Oh, so like if you pull, if you bought all four decks, you could pull a humans deck out of the four decks? Yeah, of the cards Hmm. you've seen today, we have Archer, Knight, Cleric, Warrior, Avatar, Artificer. Uh. Basically all generic types. (laughs) Yeah. It's a cool idea. I think they'll they'll do it. I think there'll be sneaky ways to configure new decks if you buy the pre-cons i like that yeah so any any guesses as to what it would be allies <laughs> maybe war i feel like warrior well it's it's on um, we'd have to see them all first because i don't know because a lot of these are very aggressive based like knight a warrior uh but maybe artificer has a shot just because the wizards might have artificers too. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I don't know how I, you have dragon like any artificers in the dragon deck. See, that's the. It's tough. You have to kind of see everything. I don't see a trend based on the creature types we've seen so far. So yeah. if they are doing it, I have no idea what tribe it'll be. I think human 
or Avatar or something generic like Ally or Knights or Warriors, I think has a good shot. So yeah. Uh, next question, Kia Juverse. What about Reverse Shocklands? Opponent may pay may pay two life to have enter tapped. What? Oh, this is oh like so your land enters the battlefield the... tapped if your opponent pays two life. Aristic dual lands. <laughs> Punisher dual lands. Yeah. Uh, it got to be significantly worse than normal shock lands, right? Yeah. I would assume. That it's got to be. What about three life? Is three life good enough? Maybe with three life. But only then, yeah. burn decks would play it. No one else would pay <laughs> play it, right? Yeah, I mean, especially right. when shocks exist. Like, if if shocks didn't exist, maybe that would be worth it. But since you already have a better option available. Uh, next question, Quilted Train. What other card or board games does the cast play? Um, I play a little bit of Hearthstone. I've played a lot of board games. Um, Ticket to Ride, Settlers of Catan, you know, all that, all the oldies but goodies. Um, I actually, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of board games that I would like to play uh, these days, uh, but I just haven't had the time. Yeah, I play a little bit of Hearthstone every every once in a while. Uh, as far as board games, kind of goes back and forth. I used to play like these weird strategy war games. Uh, Axis and Allies wasn't one of the weird ones, but Axis and Allies. I don't even remember some of uh, some of the other ones that I played. So I had some friends that were very into those games. So those were the ones I mostly played. But I don't. I don't really play board games too much anymore. If I do, it's just uh, kind of random and not too interesting. Kind of typical uh, stuff. Apples to apples or cards against humanity. Those type of games sometimes at parties. Yeah, I don't typically play board games. But, I mean, right now on my shelf I have King of Tokyo, which is a Richard Garfield game. And Ooh, that's a good uh, game. Exploding, Exploding Kittens. The infamous Kickstarter <laughs> kitten game. That's actually pretty fun. <laughs> Random Dark Rider, do you think werewolves can make a comeback in standard now that we have instant red removal and big creatures? Uh, unfortunately, I just think it's too close to rotation, but maybe very quickly they could have one last howl in the night. <laughs> one last? Like, did they ever howl? <laughs> like, ever? <laughs> Even in the original Instagram? Well, it's been like two expansions of werewolves, and there never really was a werewolf list. Yeah, just the mechanic yeah. is just so hard. Yeah. It is. It's it's hard to make a competitive werewolf deck. So I it seems unlikely. Having better removal does help, but I don't know if that really... All the other decks have better removal too, so why not play Mardu Vehicles with a braid rather than putting that in your werewolf deck? Yeah. I'm still very salty about our legendary werewolf. What's his face? I don't remember <laughs> his name anymore. <laughs> it's, it's been like a year and a half now, Richard. you got to get over it at some point. <sighs> Let it go, man. Let it go. <laughs> oh. All right. Next question. Heikolhopia? Man, I butchered that. If a brain was released in Kaladesh, would Looter Scooter be banned? That is a good question. Probably not. I think if we had all the artifact removal we have now, that Looter Scooter would not have been banned. I mean, a braid, the center's deliverance. We got a ton of stuff eventually, so... So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no as well. Yeah, I agree. David Exton, how much do full-time MDG pros earn a month? Haven't heard that many haven't flew their parents' nest yet. What? Ooh, is that is it, I so no most idea. people live at home? Is that 
what that's saying <laughs> yeah that's that's what that's saying uh no probably idea. not much yeah i think most of the income probably comes from doing content and videos and stuff like that for most of them. I mean, because as far as actually playing tournaments, when you consider travel and hotels and all the stuff that goes into it, it's uh, probably not coming out ahead for the most part. You're probably losing money or maybe at best breaking even in hopes of qualifying for pro tours and worlds and those high EV events and then hoping you get lucky and spike one of those. Yeah, and actual day jobs. Yeah, like unless you're actually John Finkel or Paulo or whoever, like, I don't think you can make anything close because you, you need to get the stipend, right? Otherwise, your hotel and your flight and your time off of work alone is, like, not worth it, you know? So it's it's pretty rough being a pro in the current state. Just the travel cost is so expensive, uh, as doubly so if you don't even live in the U.S., right? And you actually have oh, yeah. to travel from somewhere. Uh, Eric Smith, 9144, looking to buy Modern Lands to play with but i want them to retain value should i buy expeditions that is the way to do it or foils or pack foils. oh but they're so ugly and you can't tell what they are <laughs> what pack? I, oh expeditions every time I, my opponent yeah. has like five expeditions on their side i have no idea which are fetches which are shocks <laughs> and if they're shocks which colors they are <laughs> yeah i i like original pack foils more than anything but expeditions is a good option as well and I probably wouldn't do that with cheaper lands. Like, shock lands, right. like, what what's, like what happens? They reprint them, they go down from 10 to 5 or whatever. Like, eh, that's, I wouldn't worry about that. But if you're worried about uh, Scalding Tarns and some of the more expensive lands, then I agree with Jazz. Or sleeve up 20 mountains. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some sun-scorched deserts. <laughs> yes, and Ramanat ruins. We're doing it. So that wraps up our fish meal for this week. If you have any questions, send All them right. to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail. All right. Um, yeah, that about does it. Uh, that's going to bring us to time. We will be back. We'll probably have a bunch more Commander 2017 to talk about. Uh, but, gentlemen, it was a great cast. Uh, that's going to wrap it up here for this week. This is going to be the MTG Goldfish crew signing out. We will see you all next time.